It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. We are getting closer and closer to training camp. We got... Mandatory mini camps all over the place. We got best ball fever. We got people wanting to go in the MFL draft against Evan and myself. Evan, of course, is Evan Silva, the best in the business from rotoworld.com. If you're not following him on Twitter at Evan Silva and hanging on his every word, frankly, you don't know what you're doing. Check any independent website out there. As to the best fantasy analyst, he also had the best mock draft this year of anyone. The dude is the man. The dude is the man. Anyway, uh, Bet Online is who presents the show. BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast. They've got the best odds, fastest payouts. Use code BIGFEAST. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman that... Not only enjoys fantasy football, but loves the guests that Evan brings on each and every week. And it's funny. We were having such a good conversation with Warren Sharp that midway through I stopped. I was like, "Uh, Warren, can we go a little bit longer on this and make it a two-parter? He was like, sure. So Warren Sharp, the man from Sharp Football, will join us momentarily, Evan, which is awesome. I should mention first, though, I mentioned the MFL draft. Uh, We've got four contestants already. It's time to name the next three. Gleb Gorkover. What a name, by the way, Gleb. Gleb Gorkover sent me about a million Amazon uh, confirmations. That's when you go over to RossTucker.com and you click on the Amazon banner ad before you make a purchase. Uh, they give us a little something-something for that, a um, little credit for that. So Gleb just flooded me with Amazon purchases. So good for you, Gleb. I, I, honestly, it's probably the easiest way to contribute or to enter or whatever is just when you're going to buy something you need anyway for Amazon, just go through our banner ad. Bill McStowe. He and his dad are going to share an account. They want to go against Evan and I, you know, in the spirit of Father's Day coming up this weekend. He got his dad an Omaha Steaks order. So, yeah, Bill, you and your dad, you are in. Come on down. And then Jesse Allen also sending an Amazon confirmation. And Jesse won one of the MFL drafts last year. So he said, come on, man, you got to let me defend my title. So, All right, Jesse, we'll see what you got. I don't remember which one you were in. I don't remember which one you won. I remember dominating in all of them. I remember Evan was up there in all of them. I think in like almost all but one. Evan, you and I were both like in the top five or whatever. Anyway, uh, keep them coming. Take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com and send them to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, Ross, I just bought Omaha Steaks, or I bought this, or I bought that, or Keeps, or blue chew or whatever here it is and i would love to be in the mfl draft against you and evan and we will go from there speaking of going from there next meal warren sharp time next meal so i remember you talking when you started talking about the early down 
passes to running backs like, I don't know, three or four years ago at this point and how teams aren't doing it enough. Can you talk a little bit more specifically about the benefit of, I know you mentioned unpredictability, um, but can you talk a little bit more specifically about the early down running back passes? What do they bring to the table? And or, or you could just correct me if I'm wrong, because this is my interpretation of it. You know, you already mentioned the unpredictability. But, you know, when you are passing on passing to running backs on early downs versus on third down on third down plays, the defense is all, almost always going to be in sub package. And in sub package, you know, that is your fastest defense. You know, that's when you're pulling out your 250-pound strong side linebacker and you're putting, you know, a faster DB on the field. You know, so you have a bunch of guys who can make plays sideline to sideline on the field in those instances where as on first and second down, you you know, and they're, they're going to be more likely to tackle your, you know, your running back who you're trying to get into space uh, and they're going to be anticipating pass in general and you know you, you got linebackers like Deion jones luke keekley i mean these guys can snuff it out quickly a, a running back target whereas on first and second down you're more likely to face a defense's base package you know when they might have their three and 30 pound nose tackle in the game he's not going to go out sideline to sideline and, and go tackle ezekiel Elliott in space you know and ezekiel Elliott is more likely you know, facing off one on in a one-on-one situation with a 250-pound strong side linebacker, like Zeke's probably going to beat that dude. So that that is my general interpretation of why early down running back passes are superior to obvious passing situation passes to running backs. Yeah, you hit that better. You know, better than I could. Obviously, uh, you're right on the money with that. You want to put your team in situations where when you're calling plays, the defense doesn't know what to expect. It's all a cat-and-mouse game in the NFL. You have to catch the defense off guard. That's basically like an underlying thread that permeates the entire league. You have to put the defense in situations where they're not sure what's going to happen. The most obvious time that teams will run the football is on first down. So many teams just say, hey, it's first down, we're going to run the football. That's what the, the style of team that we want to be. We want to run the football on first down. And therefore, it makes passing on first down much higher edge. When you can get the defense, first of all, your quarterback's not in these predictable pass situations, so the defense doesn't pin their ears back to blitz them. You don't have the sub packages on the field to uh, cover as many men and quicker guys who are going to move and occupy more space. So you want to be throwing the football more on first down. And on early downs especially, that, those are the times of target running backs, not third down like you mentioned. Uh, you have actually in the NFL last year, the last couple of years, the success rate of first down passes to running backs is 56%. To wide receivers is 55%. In other words, it's actually more successful to target a running back on first down passing than it is to target a wide receiver on first down passing. And tight ends are slightly above that threshold um, at 59%. But it's very efficient to target running backs on first down. You catch the defense off guard and just look at the two teams that target running backs most on first down and first and second down in the league. It's New Orleans and New England. 
I mean, these are two teams with very good offenses who understand uh, analytics, who will study things like that. And they're the teams that are throwing the football a lot to their running backs. It's a very easy way. Look, running the ball, it's very difficult to have a lot of productivity. I know the Saints increased their, their productivity last year rushing the football, but it's very difficult to have a lot of productivity consistently when you're running the football on first down because there's just 11 defenders ahead of you that you're going to have to try to weave your way through, get past your offensive line to try to get there. Whereas throwing the football to a running back in space gives you a lot bigger threshold, a higher ceiling of consistent gains. It's free yardage when you're getting the ball, this guy, one yard past the line of scrimmage, just on the catch alone, let's say, and then he's got two yards before a defender even gets to him versus running the football, and oftentimes you're met with contact with zero yard gained, like you're having your offensive line doesn't get pushed and you then have to weave your way through that line and try to gain yards. Whereas the running back already is plus three when he just catches the ball before a defender even gets to him. So there's so many different edges. The smartest teams are using it. I've been beating this drum for a number of years now. And I'm, I, I like the fact that, you know, NFL Twitter and analytics Twitter has caught up and, and is on that, uh, you know, bandwagon as well. And I just hope that more and more teams will not just see necessarily what I'm saying in some of the analytics, but we'll just look to the smartest teams in the league. I mean, a very easy shortcut. Just look at what the Patriots are doing. If they're doing something, maybe you might want to study it because it's probably an efficient way to play. They and the Saints, very high target rates to running backs on early downs. More teams need to copy it. I'm not sure why teams like the Seattle Seahawks or who can't run the football very much, they're not doing it. The Green Bay Packers, like these teams need to be taking advantage of that more. It would help their offenses a tremendous amount. Hopefully they catch on and, and start doing so in the future. Probably my favorite chapter of yours to edit so far is the, was the Bears chapter. Um, really heavy on stats, you know, a lot of stuff that just makes sense when you lay it out and you're, you go into great depth and detail comparing the offense that Mitchell Trubisky played in as a rookie versus what we anticipate the offense looking like in his second year under the new coaching staff and how suboptimal the Bears offense was designed under John Fox and Dowell Loggins and how progressive minds like Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich with spread offense backgrounds might be able to really help Trubisky make a sophomore leap. One of, one of the takeaways that I personally had um, – was how good Trubisky was throwing in the middle of the field. And, um, you know, the, the Bears' weapons in the middle of the field were Kendall Wright and, you know, the, the second-round rookie out of Ashland, D2 Ashland, Adam Shaheen and, you know, Deion Sims and, you know, not, not household names by any means. But if you go back and look at um, who Mitchell Trubisky's favorite targets were in college, too, you know, his go-to guy was Ryan Switzer, who was a slot guy. So, I, you know, there is kind of like a sustained or at least a multi-year, some multi-year evidence that Trubisky is a really good thrower in the middle of the field. And the Bears go out and trade up for Anthony Miller. You know, I think that he's kind of a fantasy sleeper this year, considering what they gave up for him, considering how good Trubisky has been throwing into the middle of the field. Um, but what I wanted to ask you Warren was how different do you think that these offenses are going to be? You know, Trubisky going from John Fox and Dowell Loggins to to Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich. And what do you think 
about his chances of making a, a significant sophomore leap? I, I think he's got a great chance. I mean, we've seen so many different quarterbacks come out that are top 10, top 15 drafted quarterbacks that have actually made a big leap as opposed to regress. Some of those have come a little bit from being paired with new coaches. We saw Jared Goff last year. Uh, he was paired with new coaching, and he took a big leap, obviously. But if you look at his, his numbers, his overall performance, it's actually not as great. Like, I was higher on him uh, after his rookie year than most people were, but I'm lower on him right now than most people are after seeing what he did last year because I attribute a lot of what he did actually to his coaching. But Trubisky's in a great situation because, like you said, the middle of the field, there were some other areas where he really did perform well, but the Bears just didn't utilize these uh, areas very often and now he's got a new coach and he's got his offensive system that I think is going to have a lot more aggressiveness uh, as opposed to what John Fox was having him use with Loggins last year and, and the style that they were using there's going to be a lot different uh, personnel groupings you know the Bears used one of the fewest uh, rates of 11 personnel last year the Chiefs used it a little bit lower than average but they were very efficient in a lot of these other packages, like in 12 personnel, for instance, for Trubisky last year he, versus 11 personnel, Trubisky went from uh, 5.6 yards per attempt at 11 up to 9.6 yards per attempt in 12. And he improved from a 35% success rate to a 50% success rate, targeting all players, wide receivers, tight ends. His efficiency proved a ton. And I love what Matt, what Nagy did with 12 personnel when he was in Kansas City. They used it a significant amount of time. Um, they targeted their tight ends a lot from that. And I think you've got uh, a couple of tight ends in Chicago. They go out, they get Burton, they get, they all obviously have Shaheen who didn't get a lot of usage last year. Uh, I think that they're going to be able to improve a lot in 12 personnel, which is going to add a lot more flexibility for Helfrich and Nagy's offense. And I like the fact that they're going to also be playing in a lot more shotgun because they use a lot of shotgun and you know Trubisky was not as good in shotgun the Chiefs were significantly higher the Bears went 50-50 shotgun last year the Chiefs were 72 percent shotgun in in in, uh, 2017 how Jordan Howard their running backs were more successful when they were running out of shotgun out of shotgun he was getting 6.4 yards per carry and a 52 percent success rate under center four yards per carry and a 43 percent success rate I think it can't be understated the fact that when they have Nagy there and Helfrich designing offense and calling plays how much they're going to catch the defense off guard how much they're going to change things up and put themselves into a better situation i think the jump that they're going to be able to take in overall offense efficiency just from better personnel groupings uh, less predictability emphasizing the things that trubisky does well and other players on the team do well attacking the middle of the field like you mentioned i think we're going to just see some very basic elements of what any good coach should be doing but uh, wasn't occurring in chicago last year that is really going to elevate this Bears offense this upcoming season, and they finally have some better weapons to help get them there. So I'm just really excited to see what Chicago is going to do. Of course, they're in the very difficult NFC, but I'm really excited to see what this offense ends up looking like in 2018. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky was a spread quarterback at North Carolina. Um, they were in shotgun 98% of the time and during his uh, year as a starter there. And I think, you know, he, he went to a totally different style of offense in his rookie season, 50-50 shotgun with John Fox and Dowell Loggins. And now they bring in spread guys, Mark Helfrich from Oregon 
and Matt Nagy, who ran uh, one of the spread heaviest offenses in the league in Kansas City. It should it should get Mitchell Trubisky more back closer to his comfort zone. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about the Bears as well. Uh, staying in the NFC North, one thing that you noted about the Lions in the Lions chapter is that they became a very aggressive vertical passing team after their bye last year. So you, you see their splits, their pre-bye splits and their post-bye splits. They became one of the most aggressive deep passing offenses in the league and had a lot of success doing it uh, after their bye. Can you talk a little bit about that and what should we anticipate that continuing into 2018? I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive. I don't think they're going to like come out the gates like they did. A lot of people didn't notice this. I didn't even hear it really discussed, but of course, when I'm writing this book, I'm just pouring over research of all the teams and what they were doing last season. And when you look at, you know, the first six games, they were three and three on the season. 87% of their passes were short within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. Only 13% of them went deep. But over the buy, what after the bye for the next six weeks, that 13% deep passes turned into 24% deep passes. And the way they started doing it was on first down, right out of the gate. They went deep on 25% of their first down attempts, which was insane because normally most teams are very conservative on their passing on first down. That's the time that they're going to be least likely to throw deep. And Stafford, in fact, those first six weeks, he went deep on only 10% of his targets. So the first six weeks, 10%, they go into the bye, they come out of the bye, 25% of their first down passes are going deep, 25% overall are going deep. It's just a way to be aggressive. And in 2017, Stafford led the NFL on deep passing in terms of his proficiency, 18.9 yards per attempt on deep passes, best in the NFL, 54% success rate, second best in the NFL on deep passes, and a 111 passer rating, sixth best. They are they started to play, well, overall, he played great when he threw the ball deep, but they started to incorporate that a little bit more into their game plan. And when you look at the the, the depth chart and the players that they have on their team, you know, you have Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who are both very good deep threats and can get can make contested catches at times down the field, know how to get open, have the speed to make those passes pay off for the quarterback to actually throw them. So you don't really have a, a receiver like a Calvin Johnson anymore who is going to be doubled every single time. And, you know, are you going to try to go to this guy deep early? Are you going to start throwing these shorter passes? The, the, the Lions have a lot of options. Right, because they can throw the shorter passes. They can easily target Theo Riddick out of the backfield, who's a great receiving back on early downs. Um, they they got Golden Tate, but they're so efficient on these deep passes, and Stafford can throw them so well. They play in the dome. A lot of opportunities for whether or not to be a factor. I hope that they mix it in more because, again, kind of a theme that we've been talking about, catch the defense off guard. They aren't expecting you to throw the ball deep. Mix in enough of those deep passes that will get the defense even to uh, sag off a little bit potentially if you start increasing some of your tendencies. That will open up the run game, and that's one of the huge things that's going to be different for the Lions. They actually have a running back. They're, they're focused more on getting production out of this running back. They were so terrible running the football on short yardage situations 
the last couple of years, I think an increase to their rushing will increase their over in, in terms of their efficiency will increase their overall efficiency on both sides of the football, and it's going to allow them to be even more aggressive. So I really do hope that they try to continue, maybe not at the 25% rate, but get it up higher than the 10% that they started off last season. Mix those things into the offense. Don't just come out, always throw the ball deep on first down, but mix it in a little bit over the course of the entire season. I think they're going to have some outstanding success with the weapons that they have. They have a lot of different dimensions on offense, especially if they can keep Galladay healthy. He did miss five games with a hamstring injury last year and um, kind of affected him in some others. But, man, when he was healthy, he looked – he looked like a beast, maybe a potential future star. And uh, you're right, he's got that vertical skill set for sure. I was looking at Josh Hermsmeyer's game speed charting, uh, which he pulled off from uh, from Next Gen Stats, and Kenny Galladay was by far had by far the Lions' best game speed in their wide receiver core, um, much faster than Marvin Jones. Golden Tate is actually kind of slow. Um, but you know, he, he's a specific roles sort of player. Now he's a slot receiver, so he can kind of get away with that. But Galladay was super, super fast, uh, when he got out in the open field. Um, so you mentioned the saints earlier, uh, you, and you know, I think everyone would agree that they had a really successful year. I mean, you know, they were 11 and five in four of the previous five seasons. They'd only won seven games. Uh, their defense got a lot better. You know, they became a more run-first offense. Now, we, we shouldn't. You know, we should be clear that Drew Brees did not have a bad year. He did not light it up in fantasy, but the dude led the NFL in yards per attempt and set you know broke Sam Bradford's uh, completion rate record from the year before. Um, so they actually had a really good season, a really efficient season in the passing game, but the volume kind of went away. Now, you had some some takeaways that weren't as positive about the 2017 Saints as their final record and the general impression of their season uh, would be. What, what, were, what were those thoughts specifically? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because everybody wants to talk about the run game and how dominant they were, and they obviously were the most efficient rushing team in the NFL. But um, I do want to mention, like, this this whole run versus passing thing and really go into an example here with the Saints where we can see just the efficiency that is gained from from passing as opposed to rushing the football. So Drew Brees doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. I think he's by far, I mean, even though he's considered great, one of the most underrated quarterbacks of, his, of this generation. Like he really, the things that he's been doing uh, down in New Orleans has been just just otherworldly. And I am a huge, huge Drew Brees fan because he just doesn't get enough praise as he should. So I'm going to obviously spend a second to talk about that. But he had a great season, like you mentioned last year. But let's look at some of the rushing. So their biggest change that they did from 2016 to 2017, and this is what I focus on a lot in the book, is I want to figure out more about how a team performed in 2017. And in order to do that, you sometimes have to go back to the prior year and figure out what they tried to change or emphasize so that they could be a better team in 2017. One of the things that they did, I don't think it was necessarily by design to start the year, is is they went more run heavy. Why don't I think it was by design? Because their offensive line completely fell apart. Uh, they started in the off season. They lost Armstead. He tore his labor in June. They just were. They have guys 
uh, Zach Streep. They lost him, his starting right tackle, in week one. They were without two of their starting offensive linemen for the first month of the season. They're having to mix and match all these guys in there. So they didn't have like their consistent line heading in. They knew that in the offseason. So I think that they changed and desired to with the running backs. And Kamara, they really wanted to get him involved. And, of course, Ingram, they just ended up going more run heavy. Now, it's not necessarily a horrible thing because they were so efficient at doing so. It's horrible if they were terrible at running the football. Then they wouldn't be as good. But they were actually pretty good at running the football, you know, the most efficient in the league. They ended up passing the ball on in, in 2016, they ended up passing the ball on uh, 56% of their first downs. That was the fourth most in the league. But in 2017, that dropped down to 48%. But what ended up happening is they ended up passing the football more in 2017 on second down, 63% of the time versus 61% last year, and more on third down, 84, uh, sorry, versus 2016. And 84% on third down versus 2016, they were down to 74%. So I'm thinking, why are they passing? This is a run team that seems to get a lot of efficiency running the football. Why are they passing the ball more on second down last year and on third down last year than they were the year before when they were much more of a passing team? The reason that they ended up having to pass the ball more on second and third down last year is because they had more yards to go. It's very simple. They had more yards to go on second down last year than they did in 2016 and more yards to go on third down last year than they did in 2016. How could that be? Well, the reason is because they were running the football a lot more on first down. Rushing gains fewer yards per play than does passing. So it's very difficult to bypass Drew Brees who's so efficient, so accurate, and so good to even run the ball, even if you have a very good run game. And where does this end up taking us? Where it takes us is the fact that in 2016, they had the number one third down offense on conversion rate. They were 49% conversions on third down in 2016. They had fewer yards to go than they did in 2017, but they were very efficient and they had less yards to go. In 2017, they went from number one in 2016 to number 22 on third down conversions in 2017, last season. And that's because they had more yards to go on third down. And that's a big factor. They were very good. They were a very good offense overall, but they need to improve their third down conversion rate. The only way they're going to do that is put themselves in fewer yards to go on early downs. And the way that they can do that is by passing the ball a little bit more often than they did last year. Now they're going to get, uh, you know, before they had Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed all playing well. That was 2016. They didn't really have that at all this past season, right? Brandon Cooks was gone. Ted Ginn was very good, very efficient, but they didn't have like a third guy. They had a lot of injuries. Kobe Fleener was injured, so they didn't have a lot of success. I am really excited about their offense this year with the weapons that they have at the receiving position to really play very well. And I think they're going to end up, even though they were so good running the football last year, they're going to increase their pass rate on first down compared to what they did last year. And I'm looking forward to an even better 2018 Saints offense than they had last season. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I think that as, as a wrap-up kind of discussion, you know, where, where is this all taking us? Because, I mean, it's clear that the math and the science shows that teams aren't passing the ball enough, you know, particularly on early downs. 
They're they're passing the ball a ton in obvious passing situations, but they're not passing the ball enough on early downs. So what is the next step? You know, are I know we, we are certainly, you know, in the NFL, we're, we see the teams get more pass every every year. And they're eight, the A dot lowers. The average depth of target lowers. And the number of pass attempts goes up. But, you know, what is the future? I mean, Mike Leach has spoken about how, you know, he doesn't even have pass plays really in, in the playbook. He, he doesn't have it on his play sheet. All, I'm sorry, he doesn't have run plays on his play sheet. All the run plays are checked. They're, they're, they're checks at the line of scrimmage like, oh, well, this, this team has, you know, has like five or six guys in the box, so we're going to run the ball on this particular play. But all the plays that he actually calls are passes. You know, is that the future of the NFL? I mean, what what is the future of the NFL? Or, you know, is some team going to – and I think the Cowboys have tried this – is some team going to come in and, and try to have a, a, an edge on the rest of the league that becomes more fast and more pass-oriented? Um, or is, is are we just headed in the direction where teams need to start making the passing game the, the, the clear foundation of their offenses and using, the runs, using runs only as change of paces or using them in the fourth quarter uh, when they're up by, you know, two scores or, or, or what? It, it's a great question. It's difficult for us to figure it out because right now what we have to do, I mean, what we do every single week, especially on the podcast that we do is we understand what teams should do, what's their most efficient strategy, but then we have to dumb it down to what will they actually do. And that's the real key in terms of handicapping games or figuring out what teams are going to do is what will they actually do and how long will it take them to actually buy into what's the most efficient. And sometimes I've, I've gotten to the, the, the uh, last resort where I'm emailing scouts like, hey, here's some ideas that you should look at this week because it's a big efficiency edge. Like It just gets so frustrating to see teams not be as efficient as they should be. But one of the things that um, you mentioned, obviously, is the early down passing and the passing in, in general. I think that getting to the line of scrimmage, but not necessarily going fast, just surveying the defense and audibling based upon what the defense is showing you to the most efficient play call um, as necessary, and maybe that is a check from a pass to a run, is something that should become more in vogue. There's no reason why teams should spend so long in the huddle back, back uh, you know, away from the line of scrimmage talking amongst themselves uh, and then get there and don't have enough time to audible if they need to. It's one of the biggest edges that teams have is the ability to audible out of a look, audible into something better, and teams need to take advantage of that more. I don't necessarily mean, like I said, go fast. Go fast when it's in your best interest to go fast, but don't go fast constantly. Just get there to the line of scrimmage so you can figure some things out. I think that we're going to go to a situation where, especially with them relaxing the catch rule, we're going to have more catches. In terms of how much more rushing that we end up seeing, I think some of that's going to be defined by this, this new rule that they've come out with. You know, they, they say they're going to call, throw flags on the offensive and defensive line if they're lowering their helmet to like, make contact. Well, you're only going to have those types of plays from an offensive line if they're running the football. The, defense, the offensive line, if they're pass protecting, Ross knows they're going to be setting and dropping back a little bit as opposed to attacking off the ball. 
So you're not really going to have the situations where an offense could get called for a penalty in that situation. Um, so I don't know how much they're going to call that. Obviously, when you hand the ball off to a running back, your offensive line could get called for a flag. The running back who's running into the line of scrimmage is lowering his helmet. I mean, that's just human nature for the backs to do. It's their instincts. So how often are those things going to get called? I mean, and these are like 15-yard penalties. This is no joke. So how often they call those really going to define how often teams end up deciding that they want to run the football. But we know right now passing is more efficient. We know they're relaxing the catch rule, making even more plays that are, that are going to be considered catches as opposed to incompletions. You may have more fumbles as the byproducts, but at the end of the day, you're going to have more catches that's going to make passing the football even more efficient. Um, I think we are going to see a little uptick in that. And what we, what we also are seeing is a little bit of a trend, hopefully this continues, of younger, more aggressive play callers getting put into roles and responsibilities where they're going to be able to call these plays. You know, back historically, we might have seen some young, aggressive, uh, offensive-minded play callers, but they were just OCs, and their head coach might have been a defensive guy, so they couldn't do quite as much as they need, they wanted to. Now we're seeing these OCs, these aggressive play callers, get put into positions of power. They're the head coaches. We see it out in San Francisco. Uh, we see it in L.A. with the Rams. We're seeing it up in Chicago. So we're seeing more of these offensive-minded coaches being put in position where they can call what they want. They're going to go out and get players that they want. They might make some mistakes along the way of being too aggressive and not getting enough value, but they're acquiring players. They're spending money or, or draft picks to get players that they think is going to pay a difference on that offensive side of the football, and they're going to play aggressively. And eventually, the teams that aren't doing that are going to let, get left behind. And so you're going to see teams with quarterbacks that are going to adjust more, hopefully, to the NFL because their coaches are going to be calling things that are in their best interest as opposed to what we saw up in Cleveland. We're going to see the quarterbacks get infused into their offense and their efficiency maximized at an earlier age through play calling and strategy. That's going to do nothing but benefit them. It's going to help move our game forward into a more of a passing style of football and I think rushing is always going to be important. I'm not the type of person who thinks there's never a situation to run the football. I think you've got to do what the defense doesn't expect. Red zone rushing is extremely underrated. Running the football near the goal line when you're in a spread formation like you're in 11 personnel is an excellent way to score points in football that's not being utilized enough, in my opinion. I think there's always going to be a place for running backs in the NFL. You definitely need those players, and you definitely need to be able to run the football and, and throw the defense off. But I think the, the style of what we're seeing on first down, hopefully, if we're talking about what will the most efficient thing be, is going to be to pass the football a little bit more to involve all positions on the football field, more passes to tight ends, more passes to running backs, and I think we'll see overall the efficiency be increased. But how quickly will we get there in, is, is hard to say. But I am encouraged that we are getting some of these younger play callers in positions of power. And I hope that that just continues because it is the most efficient way to look at things. But unfortunately, a lot of teams aren't looking at the analytics to the depth that I am or some other guys out there are. And if they incorporate some of that into their coaching style, they would get there a lot faster than what they might without us. Warren, awesome. Thank you so, so much as always. You can hear your passion. It's, it just oozes out as you talk and the information as always incredible. Really appreciate the time. Hey, love talking to you guys always. Thanks for having me on. Evan, 
you've outdone yourself as always, not only getting an awesome guest, but getting the man, Warren Sharp, for a two-parter is awesome. And it sounds like we already have an, a phenomenal guest lined up for next week. This is when the Fantasy Feast really starts to heat up. So please, the retweets are all welcome. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Evan Silva, the show at RTF podcast. If you're a Facebook only person, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The likes are all very much appreciated. Please subscribe to the show. It helps us if you make sure that you actually subscribe and rate and review the show. Those things, if you can show you subscribe and rate and review, uh, that could give you the leg up along with your, your Amazon or whatever advertising confirmation, your sponsor confirmation over at RossTucker.com to get in one of these leagues against Evan and I, which are so fun. I love best ball leagues. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. You guys know also uh, about downloading us multiple times on multiple devices when you're bored. I love people that do that. Anyway, I'm stuffed. It's a big episode. All right, I think we're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.